Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance from Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people. Remember, you can learn more about Pastor Michael, the church, how to donate, how to contact us, and the podcast available on your favorite podcast app when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael Lance in part two of his study in Revelation 18 about the judgment of Babylon. Fallen, fallen, Revelation 18, 2, a double. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She was great, but she has become, would you notice, a dwelling place of demons, a prison of every unclean spirit, and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. What is behind her is demonic. She looked good. She had wealth. She had possessions. She had religion. She had fame. She maybe dominated militarily, but behind her was what? Things that were demonic. She has become a dwelling place of demons. Do you know that there seems to be certain regions of the world that have more demonic activity than others? Why is that? In the book of Daniel, there's indications that there are powers that are over certain regions. There's the prince of Persia and so forth, mentioned in Daniel chapter 10. Why is it that certain places are darker than others? Here's why. Because when God is not there, it becomes dark. When God gets kicked out, when God gets supplanted for whatever the false gods and goddesses may be, it becomes a terrible place. In the book of Isaiah, just write this down for your notes. It's uh, verses 19 through 22 of chapter 13. 13, 19 through 22. Here's what it says of ancient Babylon, but it's set in a last day's day of the Lord context. Babylon, the beauty of kingdoms, the glory of the Chaldeans' pride will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It will never be inhabited or lived in from generation to generation. Nor will the Arab pitch his tent there, nor will shepherds make their flocks lie down there. But desert creatures will lie down there. Their houses will be full of owls. Ostriches uh, also will live there, and shaggy goats will frolic there. Hyenas will howl in their fortified towers, jackals in their luxurious palaces. Her hateful, her, excuse me, her fateful time also will come, and her days will not be prolonged. Throughout the book of Revelation, Babylon gets prophesied against by God and says, you're, you're in trouble. You're going to be judged. And Babylon, although it is somewhat mysterious, some people, some scholars say maybe the area of modern day Iraq will be rebuilt and it will flourish again almost like has happened in Dubai. Have you guys paid attention to Dubai? So it's, it's an incredible place, wealthy Money flowing in, incredible buildings. Could ancient Babylon and the area of modern-day Iraq rise again? Well, do you know that when Saddam Hussein was uh, doing his, his stuff there, he was actually rebuilding ancient Babylon. He had a coin minted with his picture next to ancient Nebuchadnezzar's picture. He was rebuilding the hanging gardens of Babylon. Why? Well, was it a fulfillment of prophecy? Prophecy, I don't know. Or is Babylon more a composite of that which is anti-God? Is it an anti-God system? I think probably the latter. 
In Revelation 17, remember when we talked about the beast and the woman that rides on it and the nations and the kings and the seven, horn, seven heads and ten horns? We talked about ancient nations, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome. We mentioned the possibility that Nazi Germany could be involved in that list. We talked about how they had one thing in common. Do you remember what the one thing in common they had was? Their hatred and persecution of Israel. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Rome. I mean, this is what they did. They persecuted the woman, Revelation 12. This is the conflict of the ages. And by the way, as the church, you have been grafted into the woman. You have been grafted into the olive tree. And when the serpent, the dragon, saw that he was kicked out, he, met, he went and made war on her offspring, the offspring of the woman, which is likely the church. Have you noticed the church in the world is not necessarily popular. Anybody notice that? Christians are not necessarily popular. I'll say this, and this won't be a political statement. It'll just be a commentary on where we were headed into the last election. I was extremely fearful that if it went in another direction, and I'm just going to say for religious purposes, I was starting to wonder what would happen to pastors in America. Because there was a, a political leader in Texas that was starting to ask for copies of pastor's sermons. She wanted to edit the sermons and check them before they were preached in Texas. Tech, did you hear me say that? Texas, not California. Texas. I'm telling you, folks. We in America... We were at a place that I think was very pivotal for religious freedom, and we got a reprieve. I, I'm not going to tell you, you know, I'm not going Republican, Democrat here. I'm just saying, look, we got a reprieve as far as religious liberty is concerned. We did. And this is where we are today in terms of just looking at the landscape we just did a national day of prayer for the persecuted church all over the world. Some things that are happening today are frankly, they're hard to take. I get, do you guys get the emails from Jay Secula? The, what's the, uh, what is it, the ACLJ? Where they're talking about Christians being crucified in these countries, beheaded now? Today, you're like, really? Really? And so Babylon now is fallen. She's going to be destroyed. All the nations, here's the reason, Revelation 18.3, not some, but all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality. That word immorality is always the Greek word pornea. The kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her. The merchants of the earth, you have kings and merchants now, have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. Think with me just for a second. If Babylon is some world system anti-God that is making the kings and the merchants of the earth wealthy, what is her mechanism? What 
is she selling? How is the world become wealthy? Just back up for a second and ask the question, how do countries become wealthy? Well, you could say America has done well because it's been a capitalistic society, but America is trading with other countries right now. And wealth is largely dependent on imports and exports and trade deals and that kind of thing. And as each election comes along, what do people say their top concern is in our own elections? It's the economy. It's the economy. And in one sense, we understand that. We all want to take care of our families and we all want things to work well and do well, but, but look, it's not just about the economy. Because at some point when God looks at the heart of a nation, he can deal a death blow to the economy in a microsecond. You know, I'm sure you've been watching, but the reports are flowing out now about all kinds of sexual harassment cases in the upper echelons of our government in the upper echelons of Hollywood, and not just there. And, you know, if you think back to earlier years and earlier presidents, some people said, well, it doesn't really matter what happens in the White House because all that matters is if the economy is good and the person's doing their job and things are getting done and people are, people are getting ahead, it doesn't matter. Oh, let me say to you, it does matter. It matters to God. Character does matter to God. And God sees. God sees the cover-ups. He sees the back room deals. And the whole world, verse 3, has drunk the Kool-Aid. The whole world has drunk the wine of the passion of her immorality. She has spread the cup everywhere. It seems like everybody's taken a drink of it. Everybody's benefiting from it. What is it? How is she helping the world to make money? I'm going to let you think about that. But there's some big industries in the world right now that ain't so pretty, but they're making people some big money. And I heard a voice, another voice from heaven. I think this is the voice of God, verse 4, saying, come out of her, my people, that you may not participate in her sins and that you may not receive of her plagues. Now flip back to Revelation 14 for a second. Revelation 14. You may be asking the question, at what point in the chronology of the end times is this all happening? Uh, Revelation 14, we, we have angels uh, flying through the mid-heaven. And uh, if you look at verse <clears throat> 8 of Revelation 14, another angel, a second one followed, 14.8, saying, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality. Warning goes out in verse six, the gospel is preached to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. The people are told, verse seven, fear God, give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come or is about to commence, and worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. This seems to occur, if you turn back to Revelation 18, before the wrath of God has come. It's probably some point at the middle of Daniel's 70th week. So we've talked about that seven-year period. This is probably three and a half years in. 
I've told you that I don't believe the wrath of God starts toward, until towards the end of the seven years. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment, but we'd like to remind you that Walk in Truth is a nonprofit ministry. We rely on faithful listeners to create this program to broadcast on radio and on podcast. It's our goal to provide the truth of the gospel and to give anyone willing to listen a safe place to learn how to apply God's word to today's culture. Your one-time gift or monthly donation will help us become fully funded and grow to reach more people across the nation. Please visit our website, walkintruth.com, to learn how to give online or by mail. That's walkintruth.com. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Revelation 14, you may be asking the question, at what point in the chronology of the end times is this all happening? Uh, Revelation 14, we, we have angels uh, flying through the midheaven. And uh, if you look at verse <clears throat> 8 of Revelation 14, another angel, a second one followed, 14.8, saying, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality. Warning goes out in verse 6. The gospel is preached to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. The people are told, verse 7, fear God, give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come or is about to commence, and worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. This seems to occur, if you turn back to Revelation 18, before the wrath of God has come. It's probably some point at the middle of Daniel's 70th week. So we've talked about that seven-year period. This is probably three and a half years in. I've told you that I don't believe the wrath of God starts toward, until towards the end of the seven years. I think it's Satan's wrath and man's wrath against one another. But before the wrath of God comes, Babylon's fall is pronounced and a warning is given. The gospel is preached and people are told, worship God and fear him and don't take that mark. Don't drink the cup. Don't do it for pragmatic reasons because Babylon is not going to last. And if you go back to Revelation 18.4, God speaks from heaven and says, if this is at the midpoint, just think about it. Come out of her, my people, that you may not participate in her sins and that you may not receive of her plagues. Come out of her, my people. The temptation for the church with Babylon, as I mentioned earlier, is to somehow come together, sit at the table, maybe mediate a compromise. But God's saying, no, 
You're going to win the world by staying holy and true to who I am and to the gospel. Don't, don't compromise on the most important things of your life. Come out of her, my people. In 2 Corinthians 6, Paul quotes this idea and says, what, what uh, relationship has light with darkness, Christ with Belial? You cannot, as a believer, be unequally yoked with what? An unbeliever. You can't do it. You say, what does it mean to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever? It means to be in some sort of partnership, some sort of uh, communion or koinonia. It means to partner with someone in the most important areas of life. It could mean marriage. But here, in 2 Corinthians 6, it actually speaks of spiritual partnerships. So all of 2 Corinthians is really about false teachers and Paul defending his apostleship and defending his gospel. Think about it. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers has the idea of don't water down the gospel for the sake of false teaching or false teachers. Everybody with me? You can't do that. You must retain the purity of the gospel. And so heaven chimes in. Come out of here. Come out of her, my people. Don't participate with her sins for her Babylon sins, verse 5, have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Man, finally, it's become a stench in God's nostrils. See the, the idea of Babylon sins, verse 5, piling up as high as heaven? Do you remember in Genesis 11, when they were going to build the tower, they said these words, write down 11.4 of Genesis. They said, come let us build for ourselves a city, a tower whose top will reach into heaven, and let us make ourselves for ourselves a name or a monument, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Let's build a tower as high as heaven. And God says in Revelation 18, their sins have stacked up one on top of the other now as high as heaven. How high is heaven? Uh, it's pretty high, I think. This is a lot of sins over time. This is one sin stacked upon another, upon another, upon another. They've come up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. And then a voice says, pay her back, even as she has paid six, and give back to her double according to her deeds. In the cup which she has mixed, mixed twice as much for her. What she has dealt out, what she has poured out, Make her drink the cup double what she is given. You remember when they made the golden calf and Moses came down and said to Aaron, what have you done? And Aaron basically said, well, you know how the people are. They're stubborn, man. And they gave me the gold and we threw it in the fire and out popped this calf. Incredible, man. Man, that's the lamest excuse of all time coming from the high priest of Israel, right? So they ultimately, at Moses' command, they ground up the golden calf and threw it into the water and they made the people drink it. Isn't that glorious? Go ahead. You want the golden calf? Gulp, gulp, gulp. Now, you parents, this is where washing the kid's mouth out with soap came from. Amen? Anybody ever try that? Clean your tongue. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, she's going to get back double. Nebuchadnezzar built a ziggurat in, in Babylon 
There's a inscription that's been discovered by archaeology, a commemorative inscription that reads, the fortification of Asegilah and Babylon. He says, I strengthened and made an everlasting name for my reign, close quote. But you know, pillars and monuments and trophies and statues, well, they corrupt over time. And Babylon, even though she looks good and powerful, is going to fall. To the degree, verse 7, that she glorified herself and lived sensuously, to the same degree give her torment and mourning. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, I'm not a widow, and will never see mourning. Write down Isaiah 47, 7. That's where we turned to earlier. She said, in essence, I'm untouchable. Nothing's ever going to happen to me. There are people who are walking the planet today and they think they're the untouchables. They're unpenetrable. Nothing's going to ever happen to them. Nothing's going to go south. Nothing's going to go wrong. They can continue to walk the razor's edge and it's going to be fine. And then something happens. She glorified herself. Uh, this, may, this idea that she says, I'm a queen and not a widow, may relate to the idea of the queen of heaven from Jeremiah 44, that she said, I'm this goddess that is to be worshiped. For this reason, because of her boast, verse eight, because of who she is and what she does to damage mankind, in one day, for this reason, in one day, verse eight, her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning and famine, she will be burned up with fire for the Lord God who judges her is strong. But she's this incredible place with incredible power. But in one day, she's going to fall. You know, in, in the ancient world, if you were going to try to besiege a city, it would take you weeks, months, even years to destroy a powerful city with ramparts and towers and and archers who were trying to deal with you as you approach the city. It could take you months, even years. But Babylon, this composite anti-God system or city, is going to fall, look at verse 8, in one day. In fact, later we're going to see in one hour. You've been listening to Pastor Michael Lance on Walk in Truth. This has been part two of his study in Revelation 18 about the judgment of Babylon. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Remember that in addition to broadcasting on this great station, Walk in Truth is now available on your favorite podcast app. Are you listening to true crime podcasts on iHeartRadio? Well, listen to the true gospel from Walk in Truth, too. Walk in Truth is also available on apps like iPodcast, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Please subscribe and follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app and share an episode with a friend. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, I'm really glad that you've been going through the book of Revelation with us here on Walk in Truth. It's a powerful book, and I pray that you've been blessed and encouraged and challenged as you study with us. Hey, I want to take a moment to invite you to a special event. We do these several times a year at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, and it's called 633. It's a special Sunday night service. The theme is based upon Matthew 633, where Jesus said to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. The next 633 event is with a very special speaker, September 29th, 
and his name is J.P. Moreland. His newest book is called Finding Quiet. Man, how we all need to find that quiet place before the Lord in our fast-paced world where depression, anxiety, stress are all on the rise, and it seems like we all battle it to one degree or another. Well, J.P. went through his own journey, and he's going to share what he discovered. J.P. is best known for being one of the top 10 philosophers really in the world. And we have the privilege on September 29th to hear him reveal his extended battle with debilitating anxiety and depression while pointing us, the listener, toward the solution. They're not complex either. They're things that we can just all do, some that we know, some that may be new to us, but I think it's going to be worth all of us coming out to this special event. This is September 29th at 6.33. Remember, we'll have food and fellowship at 5 p.m. So you can come out and meet some new folks. And if you're uh, in your normal home church on Sunday morning, this is a great opportunity to come on a Sunday evening. We're going to have worship, a time of Q&A. And our heart for you is that you would find quiet in your life, peace before the Lord, or this would help you to even minister to others. It's 633. It's at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, September 29th. Remember, food and fellowship at 5 p.m. We'd love for you to join us. You can find out information, directions, and all you'd need to know when you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store or go to walkintruth.com and click on the banner 633 to get all the details. Look forward to seeing you there. Be sure to come back tomorrow to hear part three of Pastor Michael's study in Revelation chapter 18 about the judgment of Babylon. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people.